Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. Well, hey, I am, um, I'm excited about today. Uh, we're going to be back in the book of James, so if you have your scripture, I want to invite you to turn with me to James chapter 3, and this may be surprising, but we're going to read the entire chapter today, um, and so I was, we, we had a, a meeting with, with Bishop and Pastor Gary this, this past week, and somehow we got to talking about Romans, and I was like, man, I love Romans. I spent 12 weeks in Romans chapter 8, and they're like, oh my gosh, and um, so for me to get through a whole chapter, that's exciting. That's a breakthrough, right? Um, so I'm, I'm pumped up. But I just want to start off, and I'm just going to read verses 1 through 12. Uh, then we'll, we'll uh, pray and we'll dive back into it and just kind of break it apart a little bit and then wrap it up uh, with verses 13 to 18 at the end. And so again, this is James, who is the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, he is writing to the church. The church is under immense persecution at this time. And I think that what he has to say is extremely relevant right now for us in 2021. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able to also bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the wind, I'm sorry, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also, and this is verse 5, which is kind of the key for today, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Catch this. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Ouch. From the same mouth comes blessing and curses. My brothers, these things ought not to be. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So let's pray. Father, as we dive into this, I just ask for your spirit to just speak to us today. uh, That it would be your words that are said, God, uh, not mine. And Father, that ultimately your gospel would go forth. I thank you uh, for what you're going to do. Um, and we're just excited as we dive in. In Jesus' name, amen. So something I found interesting, I think it was back in 2017, uh, the medical journal, medical science journal, ended up producing a report 
about people and their speech, people and them, their talk, their talk. And what they found with this is that the average human being, and some of you guys are going to be completely average, some of you guys are going to be way less, and some of you guys are going to be way over, and you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about in just a second. The average human being spends one-fifth of their life talking. Now, don't raise your hands, but how many of you guys are like, I'm more like three-fifths, you know? And some of you guys are over here, and I'm like, I'm like an eighth. Some of us, we, we talk way too much. Others of us, we don't talk enough. But they found that the average human being spends one-fifth of their life with their mouth open and words coming out of their mouth. This is a huge opportunity for us to speak and declare blessings into people. But at the same time, it's a huge opportunity for us to speak and declare curses over people. And we all have been around those people, right, that they just don't know how to shut their mouth in anyone I mean, I'm not saying that you are that person, but you've been around those people, right? Um, I, I think about my mom, and I love my mom, and she is absolutely amazing, godly woman, but sometimes my mom just doesn't know how to be quiet. And, and so maybe you've had conversations like this where it's like, hey, mom, all right, that's great. Listen, it's really crazy at the house right now. Like the kids are running around, um, you know, they're crying and the, the dogs are barking at each other and, oh, you know, the food just dropped. On. Mom, can I call you back? Oh, yeah, honey, that's totally fine. Oh, did you know that your brother Eric and then she just keeps going on and on and on, right? That is, that is my mom in a nutshell. And, and I love her. And she's got a sweet southern accent like Michael, that's, that's what she says. Michael, I love you. It's like, I love you too, Mom. So we've all been around people who sometimes talk too much. We've all been around people who we want to talk more. And, and I think it's important for us to understand that there is power in our words. A, a few weeks ago, we looked at James chapter 1, verse 19, which says, Be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger. How often has our tongue gotten us in trouble? How often have we said things that we wish that we could go back and take back? How often have we said something out of frustration or anger that has deeply wounded or deeply hurt someone? Proverbs 18, 21, which I'm trying to teach this to my son right now, says life and death Come out of the power of your mouth. Or you, you speak life and death out of the power of your tongue. I, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that. Parents, I want you to think about this whenever you're talking to your kids. Are you lifting them up and calling them out to be who God has called them to be? Or are we cursing them and ultimately scarring them for what could be affecting them in their adult life? I want you to think about this with your spouses, or if you're in a relationship, are you blessing and lifting up your significant other, or are you constantly pulling them down and tearing them down? I think it's interesting and extremely powerful that James says that with one breath or with the same mouth, we can bless the Lord but then we can curse people created in his image, in the image of the Imago Dei. I think about the 
issues that we've got in our world, the racism in our world, the political divide that's taken place in our world, the tension that we're seeing right now, and how easy it is for people to attach themselves to one side or another and to slander the other side. Do we not realize that those are people created in the image of God? They are created in the image of our Heavenly Father. And and so quickly we are to just hurl insults at them because of something we don't like about them. Or maybe something that we assume about them. Maybe if you grew up in grade school, you remember, which all of you went to grade school, right? Um, You remember these statements, right? I am rubber, you are glue, what you say bounces off of me and sticks to you, right? You guys remember that? I remember that in like second grade, like someone being like, you're just dumb. And I'm like, well, I'm rubber and you're glue. And you know, it's getting all up in his or her face. And Or, or how about this? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Right. Do you know how many people have committed suicide in their adolescence in the past five years because of words that have been spoken over them? Do you know how many people have spiraled off into a form of depression because of the environment that they've grown up in or the people that have been teaching them have said that they're not going to amount to anything, that they're not good enough, that they are worthless? Our words carry power. And here we were just singing this song Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the power forever and ever. Amen. Let heaven come. That is us using our mouth to speak and to prophesy the kingdom of heaven on this earth. And so my goal for today, my challenge for all of us is that whenever we leave here, that we would walk out of this place with a little bit of conviction about what comes out of our mouth. And look, I'll be the first because I'm going to get on the interstate later. And y'all know this. Come on, I've been honest with you. Sometimes, last night we were driving in, Christy just had to shut her eyes, and I'm like, bless that person in the name of Jesus. I really didn't get mad, though. It was good. It was good. Verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. I want you to think about the implication of what James is saying right here. He's not saying that you shouldn't become a teacher. He's saying many of you should really, really think about whether or not you want the pressure of becoming a teacher of the Holy Scripture. And and here's why, and Bishop can definitely speak to this way more than I can, especially with 40-plus years in ministry and working with leaders across the nation and across the world. There's a lot of false doctrine out there, and there's a lot of false doctrine that is spread out there by people using persuasive words in order to get something out of the people that they're teaching. And you know what happens is when we teach false doctrine, what we end up seeing is people who were following Jesus start to be led astray and start to want to get their ears tickled and, 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 and have things spoken to them that are going to make them happy. It, it's interesting because um, teaching can negatively impact not just a congregation, but an entire community if it's done incorrectly. I want you to think about this. You take Res Church, right? You take Res Church. If I got up here and I preached a name it and claim it type message and 
you walked out of here and say there's two or 300 people, right? And, and they then go into their homes and they're now teaching this in their homes or to their friends or to their people because of what one person said. And so what James is cautioning right here is he's saying, I want you to be careful. I want you to think about I want you to really focus on what it is that you're actually teaching. And for teachers, you're going to be judged at a greater strictness, which honestly, that terrifies me, and it should. It terrifies me because I'm going to be held more accountable before God than someone who would be just sitting in a church. But he continues on, and he starts to talk about how we all stumble. And then in verse 3, he, he gives this example of a horse. Now, I am no expert in horses. And to be honest with you, I don't even like riding horses because I get on a horse and the next thing I know, I'm like all itchy. I don't know if I'm allergic or if it's just the dirt on their fur or what, but um, I'm no expert. But my sister loves horses so much so that she literally traveled the country training horses uh, whenever she was in her mid-20s. And, and something that I'd learned about horses is that they put the bridle in their mouth, which is just a, a, a piece of metal, and then it's got two, um, or really just one a leather strap attached on either side to go around the neck. And then a jockey, while racing a horse, will literally hold the, the leather strap just a little bit, and then they will use their pinkies And they will literally tap on the left side, and the horse will go left. They will tap on the right side, and the horse will go to the right. And so James is drawing this parallel here that your tongue is like this to a horse. Just a little bit to the left, and you're going to go left. A little bit to the right, and you're going to go right. And, And then he gives another example of a ship. And I don't know anything about ships, except for that they, you know, they sail. That's about all that I know. Like, I like boats, you know, boats that I can drive that are like 10 passengers, but a ship, I mean, cool. What are you going to carry, oil or whatever? But you've got these massive ships, and the rudder on the ship is so incredibly small. And that small rudder can literally guide a ship across the world. I want you to think about that. A little chunk of metal in comparison to the rest of the ship. And James is saying, just like the horse is controlled by the bridle, just like the ship is controlled by the rudder, so the tongue is controlled, your body is controlled by the tongue. I want you to think about this because there's days you wake up and you start to speak the blessings of God. This is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice in it and be glad. God, thank you for such a beautiful day, which today is one of those days. God, thank you that you have blessed me. God, this is going to be a great day. You know what that does? That starts to set your perspective on the things of God and giving glory to God and praise to God. And if you catch it, your attitude starts to shift. Then someone can cut you off and you're like, I'm having a blessed day. That's all right. Go right in front of me, brother. Go right in front of me, sister. And it doesn't affect you. But if you wake up and you roll out of bed and you're like, oh, it's another day and the kids are up and it's 7.15 in the morning. Oh, the sun's so bright right now. God, I hate the sun. You were starting your day with a negative mindset. You're starting, and, and here's the thing, 
what you are speaking out of your mouth, the rest of your attitude and your perspective is going to end up following that. This is why the psalmist says, I will bless the Lord, even though my soul is faint, even though I don't feel like it right now, I will bless the Lord. Because there is something that takes place whenever we choose to bless the Lord, whenever we choose to praise God in the middle of our circumstances that might not be going our way. There's something that happens whenever we speak it out of our mouth. And and, and so I just want to challenge all of us to watch what we say, to, to watch what we say. Let me, let me keep going because this is where I want to kind of dive into a little bit. The third example that he gives is a fire in a forest. Now, um, I don't know a lot about fires either, except for you take gasoline and you strike a match and you throw the match on the gasoline and then boof. That's like Christy, my wife, she's great at building a campfire, nice, and starting out with a little bit of flint and some, some paper and stuff like that. And me, I'm just like, give me a gallon of gas, dump it on there, light a match, boom. That's, that is Michael Moore's version of a campfire. Can anyone give me an amen to that, right? <laughs> like, any dudes out there that you've done that before, it's just like, honey, it ain't working, just go get the gas, you know? But, but he's, he's drawn this equation, your tongue is like a fire in a forest. A fire in a forest that will burn things down. And, and then, and I, I just want to rehash this, the tongue is set among our members. This is verse 6. Staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast can be tamed. Reptile and sea creature can be tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. He's saying, so your tongue has the power to do damage. And whenever we start to allow our tongue to speak negatively or to curse God's creation or to... um, be hateful or arrogant or whatever it may be, it is cursed by hell. And honestly, you are being controlled by the powers of hell. And, and so let me, let me give you a great example of the powers of hell. The other day, we went to Build-A-Bear. And like Christy and I, first time with the mall, we were at the mall with the kids, and we were like, you know what, we're going to walk around, and I had to go exchange some jeans and went shopping because that's what I like to do, don't judge me. Um, and, and in the middle of all of that, Christy's like, well, let's go get the, toy, the kids the toys. And so we went to Build-A-Bear, and, you know, Build-A-Bear, there's still social distancing, and so you've got to, like, stand on these X's. Look, this was, this was if, if hell is anything like this, I want nothing, to, I'm, I'm telling you, two bears took us an hour to, to go through. And, like, and not because the line was long, because here's what happened. So we go in there, and they had a two for $35 special. And I was like, all right, 35 bucks for two bears. You know, they get to go through the whole experience, and the bear comes to life and whatever. You know, it's fine, 35 bucks. Uh, so we go in there, $35. They, you know, uh, Judah picks out Rex, the raptor or something. Allie picks out Teddy, the teddy. And so it's like, okay, you know, that's what you want to name it. And so we get in line, we get in line, and <laughs> this is the power of persuasion right here. We get in line, and we're coming up, and the, the person that's working, I kid you not, she's over here, and we're next in line, and she comes right on up. She's like, 
hey, kids, what's your favorite song? And Allie's like, Frozen, let it go. Oh, come on over here. What kind of sound would you like in your bear? And I'm like, oh, okay, you know what's going to be, an extra dollar or two? $15 later, I was like, you did not even ask the parents. You know what that is? That's rhetoric. That is persuasion. And it is straight from the pits of hell. Like, I was so mad. And so, so we spend $15 on a raptor sound, and, you know, let it go, let it go, which I've heard that song. Like, I just, whoever wrote that song, we need to bless them, okay? I was so mad. So we go through, we get the, you know, little heartbeat thing or whatever, and they do the, like, let's dance here and rub it on your head. And, you know, then we go back around and we go to pay for the thing. She's like, um, it's going to be $63. And I'm like, 63 what? Like, are you, are you serious? But it was $63. Rhetoric, persuasion. Just to the kids. They didn't ask the parents. They knew the parents would have said no. Like whoever their marketing expert is, we need to have a conversation. That's all I got to say. But you know where else we've seen rhetoric? Great persuasion. Hitler. He used his words to persuade an entire country to turn against the Jews. And to go into war. And to move towards socialism. And and to move uh, towards hatred. But at the same time, you know where else we've seen rhetoric and persuasion? Martin Luther King, where he used his words, I have a dream. And I want you guys to think about this. Any great uh, social thing that we see, whether positive or negative, is usually a charismatic leader who is sitting there using great persuasion and great words to be able to get people to follow an agenda or follow a mission, whether good or bad, that they are trying to lead people into. You know what I think is interesting about the Gospels and what's interesting about the New Testament church, the first church, and we were just talking about this, is that they showed up and they said, we don't show up with persuasive words. We show up with power and with the demonstration of power. I believe that it is time for the church to get back to a place of of persuasion through the power of the Holy Ghost instead of getting up here and just trying to persuade people with words. Now, Now, hear me out. We, we need those people to persuade people. We need those people to have the apologetic conversations. We need all of that. But man, we also need the power of the Holy Ghost. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. And you know where the Holy Ghost can help the church the most? Their mouth. It's called self-control. It's called, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? You actually have to speak those things for it to be received by someone else. Another thing about our worlds is it reveals the process and the progress of our faith. And we see this in verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole tongue. And so think, maybe if you are new to faith you, you know, or not even a Christian at all. Like, your language is horrible. The way you talk is horrible. It's just all over the place. But if you've been saved for 30 or 40 years, you know how to control your tongue. That's because of progressive sanctification, 
of God doing something inside of you and allowing that to work itself out of you. And, and this, is, this is where I believe it's extremely important because Jesus talks about this very thing in Luke chapter 6. He says this, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person... The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. Catch this. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is why anger... Whenever you're angry, you're going to say things that you're going to regret. Because in that moment, you're vulnerable. You're frustrated. And through that, you're going to just let your heart speak its mind. And, and here's something I need to say. Your heart is deceitful and evil. Like you're throwing that out there. And so what are we putting into our heart? What are we? What, and, and this is... This is why we, we, we see that we are marked by our words. This is why we have politicians who they go to run for a higher office and they'll find out a clip or a tape that they made from 10, 15, 20 years ago and then they're going to blast that all over media and they can never move forward because of what came out of their mouth. Because of ultimately what comes out of your mouth is inside your heart. And, and so some of you guys... Some of you guys are known for tearing people down. That's all you do. It's just like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear people down. You know, I'm gonna, like, people don't even want to be around you because of how negative you are about every situation. It's like, man, I just got a new job. <clears throat> yeah, but you got to drive to Manhattan for that job. It's like, which, on it, that might be an issue, right? But, you know, you, gotta, and you know how much it's going to cost, and they don't, you know, they don't offer dental benefits. You know what that is? That's negativity, and the gospel calls us to rejoice with those who rejoice. Uh, other people, you may be known as um, a persuasive, I'm sorry, as passive-aggressive. You, you're just known very passively, and everywhere you go, you're just constantly attacking people, very passive-aggressive. I've had some passive-aggressive people in my life, and they know how to wound people around them. They know how to cut deep. Uh, others of you, you, you might be dealing with jealousy inside your heart. And so you get around people, and instead of rejoicing with them, instead of celebrating with them, you always got to one-up them. It's like, man, I went fishing, and I caught this fish. Yeah, well, six years ago, I was down in Key West, and I caught this marlin. And like, dude, can you not be happy that the eight-year-old kid caught his first fish? Like, but always trying to, are you jealous? He's eight, man. I'm not jealous. I'm just trying to tell you. I call, No, be quiet. Celebrate with the eight-year-old kid. 
Like sometimes this is us. This is, this is how we are. And here's the thing. All of this, what comes out of your mouth, what comes out of your heart, it all stems down to one thing, where you rest your identity in. And that is where the gospel comes in and invades into this. Because if your identity is rooted and grounded in jealousy, you're going to constantly be one-upping people. If your identity is rooted and grounded in like fear and insecurity, you're going to constantly be passive aggressive and wounding those around you. If your identity is rooted in always trying to be the best, you're always going to be a hurtful person. But if your identity is rooted in Jesus Christ, then out of that, the transformation takes place in your heart. And whenever that happens, what comes out of your mouth is not negativity, is not cutting people, is not attacking people, but saying they may be different than me, but they are precious in the eyes of God. And therefore, I'm going to celebrate you and I'm going to love you and I'm going to bless you. Come on, our identity. Like if you want to get to the root of what James is talking about, this isn't just about your words. It's about who you are in Christ. And this is where, and catch this, this is where when you are angry, the gospel can come in. Whenever you're angry at your spouse because they didn't mount up, the gospel steps in and Jesus is enough. Whenever you're angry at your kids because they didn't get the report card that you wanted them to, Jesus steps in and he can satisfy you. Like, do you guys catch this? Our identity. And, and here's, here's, here's the thing, man. If you're going to constantly, I just said this, if you're going to be, always be your best, you're always going to tear down. But if you are going to be at who Christ has called you to be, then you can celebrate with those around you. All of this comes out of us having a misplaced identity and the, and the things that can be taken away instead of our identity being rooted in the one that cannot, and that is Jesus Christ. All of this. All of this in our life can be taken away. Christ can't. Christ can't. So let's get rooted on him. Let's, let's get focused on him. I want you guys to just think about this. What would happen if the church became the most encouraging, I'm going to say organization, you can say organism, people, whatever, in the world? What, what would happen if every place you go, you were marked by your love for one another because of how encouraging you were? What if, what if you were marked by instead of constantly focusing on the negative, you're calling people higher? I, I remember whenever I was a youth pastor, it was me and another pastor at the church and a few people, we were sitting around and we were talking about a popular pastor you will probably know of him, Joel Olstein. And the big conversation was, is he a false teacher? Is he preaching the gospel? This was going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And this 17-year-old student came in, and we're sitting down there, and he just sits down and he starts listening. I'm telling you, you want to talk about convicting, and this is the power of your words, because he wasn't negative. We go, John, his name was John Zaremba. John, what's your thoughts? You know, you're a teenager. What's your thoughts on Joel Olstein? And he goes, well, Pastor Mike, the Word of God says, if you're called to be an encourager, then encourage. And I go, okay. I, 
Those little words right there shut everyone down. And he wasn't saying anything negative. He was just quoting the scripture and speaking it in 1 Corinthians 12. And, and so think about this, guys. Who are we going to be known as? And, and it closes out like this. Verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false from the tr- or to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Think about the fruit coming from our lives. Is there disorder? Is there vile practice? Are we being influenced by the kingdom of God or by a demonic influence? You know, you know how we can tell? How you talk about other people. That's how we can tell. That's how you can tell about other people. How they talk about other people. Constantly slandering. Constantly pulling out the worst. Constantly gossiping. Constantly going behind people's back instead of practicing Matthew 18. Like, oh, did you hear what he did? Oh, we need to pray for him because he's a sinner and he's all messed up. You know what that is? That's passive-aggressive gossip, and it's demonic, and it's witchcraft. And this is what James is saying. Hey, what is being produced? What's coming out? This is, this is how he ends it up. We're going to end encouraging. All right? I love you guys. I want you all to know. I love you guys. We're about to sing a song. It's going to be good. Like, I told you, my goal is that we leave a little convicted today. He says this in verse 17. You can go ahead. Y'all can, I know you all have to get set up, so go right ahead. But the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Wisdom from above. So, I, God, I want your wisdom. God, I want your wisdom in my life, in my family. God, we need your wisdom in the church. God, we need your wisdom in this church. We need your wisdom in the church. And we want it to be that it is pure and peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial. Impartial, that means that all people created in the image of God, and I'm not going to judge you, I'm not going to base you on your background or where you've been or your skin color or what you've done, and it's going to be sincere. And I'm going to verbally express and encourage and call you higher. And here's something that I just need to say. Sometimes a rebuke by a friend is an act of love. And I think that we need to make sure that that is very clear. Someone coming to you and say, hey, I know you're struggling with this. I think that you can do better. You may not want to hear it, but that is your brother or your sister in Christ coming to you to lift you up and to encourage you and to pull you closer to be more and more 
like Jesus and who Jesus has created and called you to be. Again, identity. Where's your identity? Where's your focus? What is it that is rooted and grounded that is transforming your heart and that out of that is transforming your mouth? And then he ends this part like this. And a harvest of righteousness. I want to see a harvest of righteousness. I want to see a harvest of righteousness in Brooklyn, in Sunset Park, in Staten Island, in Albany. I want to see God do something this summer that's going to be so crazy that the church blows up in the middle of summer instead of the church seeing everyone leave on vacation. But you know, you know what it says? A harvest of righteousness is sown. Michael, how's it sown? By yelling? Nope. By, by going out and beating people with Bibles? Nope. Well, how, how's it sold? By gossiping? Nope. It is sown in peace. In, in peace. What do you mean? You mean I got to be peaceful? I'm like, yeah, it means you got to actually get along with people. You know, you may not like everything about them, but don't be a jerk. Like, don't talk bad about them. If you got an issue with them, go to them. Have that conversation. Look, they love you. You love them. Let's work it out. We're all adults here, right? Peace. The peace. Could you just imagine someone walking into an environment that they've never been in and they see people loving one another? They see people getting along with one another. They see people maybe soon doing air high fives or, or, or actual high fives. Some of y'all are like, I'm just going to air, I'm just going to high five anyways. I don't care. You know, what's COVID, right? Like, peace. Do you know what it's like to be and to live in a life of complete disarray and distressed? And then you experience this peace, this shalom, the glory of God that rests upon this earth. Shalom. Where all things are calling out his glory. The shalom that rests upon you. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You know where we can start making peace? Our mouths. So I'm willing to bet 95% of the arguments that you've gotten into, 95% of the discord that you've been experiencing, 95% of the accusations that you've been slandering, 95% of the gossip has all come from your mouth. And your mouth is a product of your heart. And your heart is a product of your identity. Who's your identity in? Who's your identity in? Will you stand with me this morning? I'm going to close out by giving an opportunity. If you have never embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is a surrendering of your heart. Surrendering of your heart and allowing him to transform your identity and out of that, confessing with your mouth. I think that's interesting because scripture says, admit that you're a sinner, believe and confess. Confess with your mouth. And so if you've never given your life to Christ, I want to invite you to do that. I'd like everyone to just bow your heads real quick and close your eyes for a moment of privacy of those who are in this room right now, and if you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you need to rededicate your life to Christ, on the count of three, I just want you to slip up your hand right where you are. 
One, Jesus loves you. Two, I believe you will never be the same. Three, if that is you, if that is you, anyone. Amen. I'd invite us all to say this prayer. If you guys would repeat after me. Jesus, I give you my heart. I confess that I am a sinner, but I believe that you are my Savior. And I confess you as Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you pray that prayer today and you've never prayed it, maybe you or just didn't raise your hand or whatever, we have a team in the back with just a card and some information we would love to give to you to help see you take your next steps in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For the rest of us, my challenge for us, for we sing this song, is the same thing that I tell my five-year-old son who's in Res Kids right now. Judah, life and death come out of the power of your tongue. So church, life and death come out of the power of your tongue. What are you going to say? Who are you going to encourage? Who are you going to bless with your words this week? So God, we thank you. We praise you. And we just speak your life over this church, your life over resurrection and Sunset Park, all of Brooklyn. And Father, we thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc.